Amen. Good song. Thank you, Raw family. Take your Bibles, please. Turn me over to Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Uh, I was in a straight betwixt two this afternoon, uh, Mother's Day. We got home from church. My wife just changed clothes, and Marissa took her straight to the ER, and uh, we had already called. They said there was no one. They, they would let anybody in. And I said, well, there's no point in going and sitting in the parking garage all afternoon. I might as well get in the study and get up a message and, and uh, try to be a blessing to you tonight. But uh, my heart is there with my wife, and she has no idea how long she'll be there. Uh, if they'll admit her or not, we're just trying to get some answers. But to say that I was distracted this afternoon is an understatement. But while I was down in North Carolina, uh, fellowshipping with Brother Poindexter, we were driving the roads, and then I called him as I was driving back up to the airport at Raleigh. Uh, we got to talking. We talked some at breakfast. We talked some while I was there. Then we talked a little bit on the phone and uh, about this passage of Scripture. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, I just preached this verse, preached out of this thought, really, this exact same time last year. I thought I had. I looked it up. It was May of 2020. I preached out of this verse. But God's given me a couple of nuggets that I want to share with you. I don't know how long this will be, but uh, it's fresh, amen? And it's the Word of God. So if you'd stand with me, please, Revelation 3, we find a message here to the church of Laodicea. We've heard this passage preached forwards and backwards numerous times, but I'm asking God to make it alive to us again tonight. Verse 14, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, and I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I'm set down with my father in his throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So this word lukewarm in verse 16 really is a word that I don't like. I don't like that word. I don't like anything about it. Apparently God doesn't either. Jesus said it makes him sick, makes him want to throw up, makes him want to spew it out of his mouth. And I, for one, honestly and truthfully, I do not believe for one second that our church would fall into the category collectively as a Laodicean church. I would hate to be a member of a Laodicean church longer than five minutes and it still be Laodicean, amen. I would hope that at least by me joining it, we backed up at least to Philadelphia, amen. Uh, if you do any study of the seven churches that are listed in Revelation 2 and 3, they're all literal churches, physical, local churches that Jesus had a message for. But it's interesting if you go back and you look at it and study it, it's amazing that almost the chronological digression that you see uh, starting with the church of Ephesus and going all the way to Laodicea, it's amazing that you can just about take every one of those churches, drop them into a specific time period in history, and you just see how the church has devolved from the Luke 
2, or the Acts 2 uh, prototype of the church, which we just did a series on a few weeks ago, to the, to, the, to the state of apathy, coldness, and apostasy that we're in today. Having said that, I do not think for one second that our church falls into this category, but I'm going to preach these messages often to make sure that it doesn't. Having said that, though I do not believe that our church falls into the Laodicean church age, that does not mean that you as an individual cannot become lukewarm. And I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be anywhere around lukewarm. Amen. So this, this pastor's scripture, Brother Poindexter and I were sitting at the coffee shop on uh, Thursday morning. When I checked out of the motel, we were, we were just sitting there and, and just enjoying some coffee and breakfast, and we were just going over these verses, and I'd say, what about this word? And he would say, what about this word? And I was like, man, it's just it's, it's so rich, and it's so real. So I want to just share with you, if I can tonight, uh, some lessons from the lukewarm that I feel like God has shown me in the last few days, and I hope that it'll be a blessing to your heart. Lord, help us now as we open your scriptures. Lord, very familiar Passage of Scripture, anybody that's been in church any length of time, Lord, could probably quote these verses from heart. I know from time to time we have guest preachers come in, missionaries, and they'll quote these verses. And Lord, the reason we do that is because historically we are living in the Laodicean church age, but Lord, we don't want to be a Laodicean church. We don't want to be lukewarm. So help us tonight hear something that would stir our hearts and challenge us not to let that happen to us. And Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that is lukewarm, I pray, God, that you would revive them and help them draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I am not going to try and exhaust this passage of Scripture. Not that it can be done in one message anyway. There's way too much preaching in the verses that we just read, verse 14 down through verse number 22. You could preach for a month on those truths and the nuggets that are there. But what I would like to do is just point out a couple of things I feel like the Lord has helped me with and some things that has been a blessing to me. Because what happens many times is when we're on fire for God, when our church is doing great and the offerings are up and we're taking on missionaries and souls are being saved, people's being added to the church and we've got a steady stream of new visitors and, and then God's working and the altars are full, that's when it's easy to just kind of take it, it easy, sit back, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't take long to get lukewarm. It just doesn't take very long to get in that state. But if you're taking notes tonight, write this down, number one. I want to notice the nature of the lukewarm, the nature of the lukewarm. We do not have to guess what Jesus is talking about. He makes it abundantly clear in verse number 15 and verse number 16. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Your works are lukewarm. Your, your works are lukewarm. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So we don't have to guess what he's talking about. The nature of the lukewarm here would be the ministry, the works, the labor, the service, or the, or the, the lack of it, in this case, of the Laodicean church age. The nature of lukewarm is simple, okay? People that are lukewarm would fall into that category of just laziness. Lazy. Paul said it like this, not slothful, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You can't be fervent, which is the word for hot, and slothful at the same time. So people that are not on fire for God is really because they probably just got lazy, slothful, in their devotion, slothful in their maintaining of their walk with God. And again, 
That word, it would, it would picture those that are inactive, somebody that's stale, stagnant, um, in need of refreshing, in need of revival. Our theme this year is renew, asking God to renew us, keep us fresh. I need a fresh touch. I need a fresh moving of God. I need a fresh outpouring of His Spirit and His power upon my life. I'm in constant need of revival and refreshing. Otherwise, you get stale and stagnant. I've walked up here before uh, on Wednesday night, and the water that was up here were left over from Sunday night. Not cool. No pun intended. It assumed room temperature, sitting there for three days, and it was just was nasty. You can tell the minute that it touches your tongue that this is lukewarm water. It's nasty. You need to change it out. A lukewarm person is a person that doesn't care. I've preached about that a lot in the last few weeks about caring and apathy. A lukewarm person doesn't do anything. They just exist. A lukewarm person has no purpose, no objective, no goals, no fire in their belly. They don't wake up in the morning with a motivating force. It's just another day in the neighborhood. And you know that something's wrong when you wake up in the morning and there's no drive, there's no motivation, there's no joy, there's no excitement. You have no purpose for getting out of the bed. If you don't have that, you're in danger of being lukewarm. There ought to be something that gets you out of the bed in the morning besides Folgers. Amen. Stuart gets up every morning, puts a pot of coffee on, pours his coffee, goes to work. I smell that coffee. It wakes me up every morning. I wake up, I go, man, that smells good. Best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Amen or Maxwell House, or whatever it is, Duncan, it don't matter to me. But if that's all that gets you out of bed is coffee and breakfast, you might want to double check and make sure you haven't settled into a state of lukewarmness. People that are lukewarm, they coast. They coast. That's what you do when you're on a bicycle going down the hill. You just coast. You don't pedal. You just roll. They float. They have, uh, they have no, no direction whatsoever. They just see it. They're unresponsive. Unresponsive. I've preached to people that were lukewarm. Unresponsive. We'd say it was like water off a duck's back. You preach your heart out, and they're just as backslid when they walk out the door as they was when they came in. They're, they're unresponsive. They're indifferent. Lukewarm is the epitome of a comfort zone. Comfort zone. If you're in a comfort zone, chances are you're lukewarm. When you can't be lukewarm and out of your comfort zone at the same time. Because when you're out of your comfort zone, you're scrambling, you're struggling, you're growing, you're leaning upon the Lord, you're calling out to Him, you're doing things you've never done before, you're, you're learning new things, you're, you're, you're broadening your horizons, God's opening doors, but if you're just in the same spot, doing the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year, it might be lukewarm. I made a list here. Parents become lukewarm when they zone out and never take any action as a parent. I know the message this morning was a little bit unorthodox from Mother's Day, but it's what God gave me. We got a lot of moms that are just lukewarm. Just lay on the couch, let the kids do whatever they want to do. They don't care. Kids are in the streets. Kids are tearing the house apart. They're on social media involved in stuff. They're in their room with the door shut and their earbuds in, listening only God knows what. They're watching television, watching movies. Mom and dad is zoned out. You know what your problem is? You got lukewarm. 
You're in a comfort zone and you're just there. Young people become lukewarm when they try to be invisible and hide all the time. A young person that's trying to hide has got something to hide. I'll tell you how to throw your mom and dad. Mom and dad, I'm gonna tell you how to throw your young people for a loop. Just tell them to leave their door open. Just say leave your door open. Unless you're changing clothes, just leave your door open. And see if that throws them for a loop. If it does, they may be doing something in there they ain't got no business doing. Church members become lukewarm when they just come and sit on a pew and do absolutely nothing ministry-wise to serve the Lord, be a blessing to someone. Staff members become lukewarm when the ministry becomes a job. Well, that's danger. It's a danger to be in the ministry and really just, it's just a job. It's a nine to five. Come clock in, get your 40 hours and go home. You've missed it. You probably need to either get revived or find another job. No probably about it. You switch exactly what you need to do. Um, Staff members, many times you'll have meetings with them and they'll, they'll, they'll oh, this is say, this is what I want you to do. This is, what, this is what I need. This is my vision. This is my passion. This is my burden. And you'll lay all that down for them and about two, three weeks later, they're back to not doing it again. What happened? Just lukewarm. They settled back into that comfort zone. Instead of growing, instead of expanding, instead of filling that role and growing with it, they just go right back, revert back to that, that, that comfort zone. Pastors become lukewarm when they stop studying and start preaching other people's messages. And I, I for one, value resources. I put my, every one of my outlines out on our church website. I share my outlines with outline sharing Facebook groups, and pastors go on there and they look at them, and that's great. I appreciate that. I get emails. Thank you for your, your outlines. They're a blessing. They've been a blessing to me. That's why I put them out there. But I've had some preachers say, hey, where's that outline? I need something to preach. I'm like, dude, you need to get your own message up, pal. If all you're doing is just microwaving everything I've preached, your church might need to have a business meeting and find a pastor that gives a rip. But that's a pastor that's done got lukewarm. He don't have to study. Come on now. A pastor's a message that won't bring it, he just mails it in. And you can tell when a man's preaching if he's lukewarm or if he's on fire. I've sat and listened to some preachers, they didn't have enough the power of God on them to stir the fuzz on a gander snout. I'm serious. I've been to funerals that had more juice on it than some churches I've been in. And I'm saying to myself, that guy right there spent too much time on the golf course and not enough time in his office. That guy's been spending too much time fishing and not enough time on his knees. And it, it shows, lukewarm. Churches are full of lukewarm people because we've got a lot of churches being pastored by lukewarm preachers. Amen. Missionaries become lukewarm when they do as little as possible to keep getting their support. That's one reason why I've been very active behind the scenes. Brother Leader and I have had hours of meetings. I said, check these guys out. Check these missionaries out. That's why I like the ones he's been presenting to our church. Somebody's been on the field. They're preaching in 70 churches. They're not laying around in a hammock sipping lemonade. They're doing something. But I know, I hate to tell you this, but I know of some missionaries that go to the field and it's just a big, long, extended vacation. It makes me sick to my stomach. I've called some of them out on it too. 
I've called some of them. I said, you need to go back to the States and get you a job driving a truck or sorting mail or something. You're over here drawing support and you're not doing anything. I had a missionary one time fall out with me in South Africa. He walked in my office one day and he says, listen, I'm not competing with you. I can't keep up with you. I said, that's your problem. You spend too much time at the flea market. Spend too much time hunting. He didn't like my work ethic. 7 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night, he couldn't hang. He couldn't hang. And instead of him getting with the program, he fussed at me. I said, you find somewhere else to go. He did. He went eight hours away and got out of my hair and left me alone. I got more done by myself than I did with him standing there yapping anyway. There's some missionaries out there. You know what their problem is? They just need an old-fashioned revival. They need a revival. They've gotten cold and indifferent, and they've just gotten comfortable, and they're doing as little as possible. I know evangelists, they become lukewarm when they sleep in, and they eat out all the time and preach the same messages over and 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 over. Brother Caleb Garraway texted me yesterday. He was working on a message for this morning for Mother's Day. I don't know where he's preaching, but I was just impressed that here's an evangelist. God giving him a fresh message for this morning. We were collaborating on a thought, and I was sharing with him what God had worked in my heart about, about the Mother's Day message, and he was sharing with me what God had worked in his heart, and I was thrilled. Here's an evangelist that's preaching at a different church every week, and yet he's still getting up new messages. When he was here, he said, one of the things, Brother Stacy, he said, one of the things that bugs me is when I'm talking to people about being evangelists and say, oh, you guys are getting easy. Y'all get to preach the same thing all the time. He said, it makes me mad. He said, because I don't preach the same thing all the time. He said, I get new messages up every week. I said, you're rare, brother. You're rare. What happens? Lukewarm. It happens to everybody. Listen, if you're sitting in the pew tonight, you say, man, preachers, he's on us. I'm not just on you. I'm on me. I'm on these guys behind me. We need to stay and make sure we don't get complacent because the nature of lukewarm is you're neither hot nor cold. You're just room temperature. Of course, the city of Laodicea had a, an interesting water supply issue. I researched it again this afternoon. I've looked at it 50 times, but I looked at it again this afternoon. And, and, and the water had to be piped in to Laodicea. Cold water could, uh, come, would come from a place called Colossae but it had to travel through aqueducts, and by the time the cold water got there, it was lukewarm. They also had hot springs at a place called Heropolis uh, that was about six miles away. That water had to be piped in, and by the time it got there, it was also lukewarm. It's one of those rare cities that didn't have a river running through the middle of it, and so their hot water was lukewarm, and their cold water was lukewarm, and they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said, I would that that were either cold or hot. You got these geniuses that say, well, he'd rather be, be super backslidden out in the world, drunk every night, than just be sitting in the church lukewarm. That is not what that's talking about. Here's what Jesus was talking about. Hot water has healing power. Hot water is an asset. Can I get, can I get it with it? Hot water, uh, hot water, it helps people that, that uh, you know, they get in these warm springs, they've got sore backs and, and, and sore muscles and that hot water, it helps them, it rejuvenates them. People have hot tubs and things of that nature to help them with their backs and all. Hot water is used to cook, is to prepare food. Hot water is used to clean and disinfect. Hot water is used to make tea or coffee and, uh, and, and, and to bathe in. I hate, personally, I hate cold showers. There ain't nothing I hate any worse than cold water running down my back. I hate it. One of the first things I do, one of the first things I do when I book a missions trip is I find out where I'm staying, do they have hot water? That's the first thing I ask. 
Do you have hot water? Well, uh, hang up. I'll find somebody that's got hot water. Went down to stay with Brother Instep the first time. We went down to Leon on, that mix, on, that, on his uh, survey trip to Leon, Mexico. And uh, he said, won't you come out here and stay at the camp? I said, I'd rather stay in a hotel, brother. Oh, you're going to stay at the camp. We've got a nice camp. We drove by the Holiday Inn, big old huge banner hanging on the Holiday Inn, $50 a night. And I'm like, oh, I want to go there. But we drove all the way to the camp, got there. He stuck me in a bunk bed, spider webs and tarantulas and cobras. And um, I lied about the cobras, but there was tarantulas. <laughs> and, then, and I said, I want to take a shower. I've been flying all day, driving all day. I want to take a shower. He stuck me in a concrete block shower stall with a plastic shower curtain and a copper pipe running up and it had a copper end on it and they had taken a little bitty tiny drill bit and drilled three holes in the end of that copper and the water was like <laughs> a mist coming out of the end of that pipe and it was so cold and I stuck my head out and said, hey, how does it take this water to get hot? Oh, Pastor Ship, but I forgot to turn that water heater on. Like, you dog. Cold shower. So what'd you do? I whimpered like a puppy. I mumbled and grumbled, and I stood on that thing. It's like, oh, I hate cold water. Hate cold water. Ooh, I hate cold water. I'm getting mad just thinking about it. And it was so... You couldn't get the shampoo out of your hair. So it takes like 20 minutes to rinse off. I hate cold water. I like a hot shower. So hot water is a blessing. Cold water is a blessing in the right place. I mean, there's not another refreshment on the planet better than a nice glass of cold water. Matthew 10, 42, whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of disciple, will I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Proverbs 25, 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You can do something with hot water and you can do something with cold water, but what you gonna do with lukewarm water? What you gonna do? Here, here's the point that Jesus was making. Stay with me, he's talking about their works. Here's what he said. He says, your labor, your ministry, your existence is not benefiting anybody. Yeah, You're not being cold water, which would be a blessing. You're not hot water, which would be a blessing. You're neither. You're not touching anybody's life. You're not making a difference in anybody's life. You're just, just there. That's the nature of the lukewarm. Number two, write this down. We see the numbness of the lukewarm. Numbness. <laughs> this is strange. This is what hit me. Cold water will make you numb. You go to Pigeon Forge, they've got that Titanic site. It's a Titanic. Anybody been to Titanic at Pigeon Forge? And you go in there, and it's a museum about the Titanic, obviously. But they have in there, they have this pool of water, and it is this, the exact same temperature that the water was when the Titanic sank. Anybody know off the top of their head the, the temperature? What was it? Margaret, what was it? Spencer, do you know? Like 
No, no, it ain't that cold. Was it sure? It can't be. It'd be freezing. Anyway, there's a, there's a, there's a little plaque up there that says, see how long you can hold your hand in this water. And it talks about the people that, when they've sunk in the Titanic, the hypothermia. And you put your hand in there, and it's cold. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you, it's cold. It's like cold ice water in the bottom of a cooler. But after about 30 seconds, your hand is numb. Huh? It's crazy. Cold water will make you numb. Hot water, same thing. Boiling water, hot water. It'll just desensitize you. But these people, this is what's so cool. These people had gotten numb, lukewarm. Can I show it to you? You want to see this? Look at what it says in verse 17. Because thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not. There it is. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Knowest not? You're, come on now. You're wretched. And don't know it? You're miserable and don't know it? You've been miserable so long, you don't know any different. Your state of existence is described by Jesus as miserable and you don't even know it. What happened? You got numb. Let's keep reading. Poor, poor. A young lady used to be in our youth group, graduated from college Friday. They picked her out of that whole college class, Bethany Riley, got to give a testimony at the commencement at Bob Jones. She stood on that platform, talked about how that she grew up in a single parent home. Her daddy left her when she was a little bitty girl, and her mama had to work three jobs to take care of them, put food on the table. And here she is, she just graduated from college, and she was thanking God for her mother and thanking God for his goodness and his provision. But she made the statement, she said, we was poor when I was growing up and we didn't know it. She said, we thought everybody took all their leftovers and put it in the casserole and put cheese on it and put it in the oven. We didn't know that that's just what poor people do when they ain't got nothing else to eat. These people were poor and didn't know it. They had never had anything. I'm going to tell you something, if you've ever had something, Attention, if you've ever had something nice, you know when you don't have it. If you've ever ridden in a limousine and now you're having to walk, you're thinking about the limousine. If you've ever slept in a nice bed with air conditioning and you're out sleeping in a, in a cardboard box on the side of the road, you know the difference. These people were poor and didn't know it. Blind and didn't know it. I'm thinking about this at the coffee table Thursday morning. How can you be blind and not know it? We have a problem with children in school. Their grades start to drop. and like Maybe they go get their eyes checked. Kid's failing because he can't read. It was so gradual. So gradual. He didn't know he was going blind. Naked. How could you be naked and not know it? What happened? The lukewarm water made them numb. They just felt nothing, sensed nothing, discerned nothing, knew nothing. You say, that's bad. Well, it is bad. I agree, that's bad. 
But I'm going to take it one step further. Here's what bothers me from a pastor's perspective. And I've been preaching about ministry for the last two or three weeks. You know what's bad when you don't know you're miserable? You don't know when people around you is miserable. You don't even notice it. How are you going to help somebody? How are you going to minister to somebody? How are you going to be a blessing? How are you going to serve somebody if you're so numb to your own condition that you're oblivious to everybody else's? Say, I don't have anybody to invest in. Wake up. <laughs> I don't have anybody to be a blessing to. Open your eyes. You're blind and don't know it. I don't know how you could get that bad and not know it unless you've just gotten there so gradually. This is the point I wanted to get to right here. Write this down, number three, the nemesis of the lukewarm. The nemesis. That word nemesis means opponent or adversary. What is the adversary or the opponent? What is the, what is the, the, the necessary catalyst to undo the lukewarmness? Lay with me now. This is deep. This hit me sitting at the coffee table with Brother Poindexter on Thursday morning. A glass of, of, of lukewarm water cannot change its temperature by itself. It must have influence from an external force. Stay with me now. If you're lukewarm tonight, you need God to do something. Now you take a glass of, 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 of lukewarm water, room temperature water, and you put it in a freezer, it's going to get cold. You take it, lukewarm water, and you put it in an oven or you put it in a microwave, it's going to get hot. It needs help from the outside to change its state. Are y'all still with me? So water left to itself without any interference at all from anybody or anything, just automatically assumes room temperature. I told Brother Poindexter, I said, I wish I had time to conduct an experiment. And maybe you science teachers, you can do this if you want to for schools out, just to see what happens. Take, take a, a, a glass of, of ice cold water and measure the temperature and check the time. Just set it on the table and see how long it takes to become room temperature. See how long it takes to cool down. Take a cup of water that's near about boiling. Do the same thing. Put it right beside it. Measure the temperature. Check the time and see how long it takes. I think you'll be shocked at how quick cold water becomes lukewarm. And you'll be shocked at how quick hot water becomes lukewarm. See, Brother, brother Leader figured that out. He's got a special magic coffee cup that's got a hot plate in the bottom of it. He's walking around sipping his coffee, same cup of coffee two hours later, the light's still on there, green. I was like, you want to top off your coffee? No, I'm good. Am I right? Does it work? But it's got like a battery or a charger or something in there, right? Because see, hot water left by itself will just assume room temperature. You will too. When you get so complacent that you disconnect and you isolate yourself, you will, all by itself, assume room temperature. You'll become lukewarm, won't even know it. 
I made a quick list of some outside influences that'll help you get back to being cold or hot or both. I want to be both. Amen. I want to be both. Hot water and cold water. Jesus said, pick one. I want both. I want to be, I want to be cold water to a thirsty soul. And I want to be able to give a hot bath to a sinner that needs to be cleaned up. Amen. I want to, do, I want to be both. Write this down. Prayer. Prayer. Nothing will keep you fervent like prayer. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll build up yourself when you spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You show me a lukewarm Christian and I'll show you a Christian that don't pray. 100% guaranteed. You can't spend quality time praying. You cannot pray in the Holy Ghost and get lukewarm, I promise you. And that's something you're going to have to take the initiative to do. By the way, prayer is recruiting an outside force, God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, to keep you from getting lukewarm. Lord, as a songwriter says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, help me this day, help me this day to be, be on fire. Help me to be fervent. Help me keep my mind right. Prayer will help you keep from becoming lukewarm. The people of God, number two, will help you stay hot or cold. Tell what you can do. You can take a cup and dip, dip it out of, a, out of an ice chest full of ice cold water and set it over here by itself. And that ice chest full of ice water will stay ice, ice cold for a lot longer than that glass will. You want to know why? Because you separate it from other cold water. Same thing with the hot. Pour your pot of, a cup of coffee, put it back on the, in the coffee pot, that'll stay hot, but your coffee cup will get cold. Why? You separated it from the water that was hot. You show me a Christian that's lukewarm and I'm going to show you a Christian that's not associating with Christians that are on fire for God. Absolutely guaranteed. And you have to be able to be discerning and recognize when you're cooling off and take the initiative to get back where you need to be. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. God's people motivate and stir me more than anything. I love it. I love being around God's people. I love being around God's servants. I love being around preachers and pastors. Hung out all day Wednesday with Brother Poindexter and Brother Piercy. And we just talked about the ministry, the church, the Bible, messages, work of God, moving of God. I think we had, I think we had about 30 minutes of carnal conversation the whole day. And that's when I had them swinging me through that motorcycle dealership. I just want to look at the motorcycles. And the rest of the time, we was at the Christian bookstore looking at books and buying Bibles and just talking about the goodness of God. And Brothers Piercy is a, songer, a singer and a songwriter, a phenomenal songwriter. And he and I were talking about songs and writing songs and singing songs and seed thoughts for songs. And just, you know what, I, that, that fired me up. Fired me up. Why? Because I was around people that were hot. It's hard to get lukewarm when you're hanging around hot people. Amen. Number three, preaching. Outside influences that'll make you cold or hot or both. Preaching. Preaching will get the job done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You come in here and you got a concrete block in your britches and you just don't feel like doing anything. 
Pastor Shepard gets up here and takes a sledgehammer and busts that concrete block, turns it into powder, and it falls out your pants leg, and now you feel like doing something for Jesus. Man, I don't feel like doing anything. And then through by the time the preacher gets done preaching, man, you're excited about doing something for God. Preaching will fire you up. Right kind of preaching will, hot preaching will, fervent preaching, passionate preaching, anointed preaching will keep you from getting cold and complacent. Pastor, why are you preaching a message out of uh, the church of Laodicea about being lukewarm in the middle of a revival? Because I don't want to get lukewarm, that's why. I don't want to get lukewarm. I don't even want to get close to it. Number four, the printed page. The printed page. Read books and articles and periodicals that will inspire and motivate and stir your heart. Bring to remembrance the things which you have heard. You know, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 13, was sitting in the jail cell. You want to talk about a good place to get lukewarm? Can't preach? Can't go out and go soul winning? Can't have a crusade? You're sitting in the jail cell. Cold, wet, clammy jail cell. You know what Paul said to Timothy? You know what he said? Bring me the books. Especially the parchments. I don't want to get backslid in here. I don't want to get cold in here. I don't want to get dead in here. I want to keep my fire going. And I want to keep my relationship with God right. Bring me my books. Reading those books will help keep that fire in your belly going. The last time you read a good book. I didn't ask you when's the last time you watched a good movie. I didn't ask you when's the last time you watched a documentary. When's the last time you read a good book? I mean, I'm looking at me funny. I'm a preacher. I just don't like to read. I know. That's why you're lukewarm. Lukewarm always goes to what's easy. Ecclesiastes 11, 12. Here's what, this is what he says. Ecclesiastes 12.10, preacher sought to find out acceptable words. That which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads. Nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my sons, be admonished of making many books there is no end. And much study is a weirdness to the flesh. See, preacher, study is a weirdness to the flesh. Yeah. You've been pampering your flesh too long. That's your problem. Find a good book and read it. I mentioned that this morning about parenting, being a better mother. Read a book, mothers. My godly mother will tell you how to be a better mother. If you're sober and serious about it, you will. You'll research it and you'll study it. I just don't want to get, I don't want to get lukewarm. I really don't. There's so few churches today that are experiencing the moving of God. God forbid that we let that happen here. And when I hear about God moving in places, it just stirs my heart. Stirs my heart. Brother Suttle's daughter was here last week. We were talking, and she said, God's doing a work in our youth group, in our church, in our school. Well, that, that, that caught my ear. Because I used to go to school there. Second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, a long time ago. She said, God's doing a work in our school. I was like, praise the Lord. And then while I was down in North Carolina Wednesday, David Young called me. He said, man, Brother Suttle just called and told me God's doing a work in their school. Kids are testifying and kids are getting right with God. And he wants me to come preach chapel Friday. I said, wonderful. 
Friday morning, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, Brother Suttle called me. I was in my office. He called me. He said, Brother Ship, you ain't going to believe it. He said, Brother David, come preach in our school chapel. He said, like 30 kids went to the altar and they were standing up and confessing sin and getting right with God and God's working and God's moving. I said, that's what I'm talking about. And my phone started beeping. I looked down and it was David Young. I said, David Young's trying to call me and I know what he wants to tell me. David called me. He said, Brother, you ain't going to believe it. I said, it's wonderful. A little bit later on that afternoon, Brother Bittner, David Young called me again. He said, I just got off the phone Brother Suttle. And he said, a young man just got saved. And one of the kids that stood up in the chapel that got right with God and was repenting of sin led him to the Lord in the parking lot after school. And it's making news because a youth group is experiencing revival. Why? Because lukewarm is so normal. Lukewarm is so, is so commonplace that when God starts working somewhere, it makes the news. I thank God for what he's doing here. I thank God for what he's doing in my heart. Let me tell you something. You can sit in Calvary Baptist Church and be as cold as a dog's nose. You can get backslid and indifferent and cold and complacent if you're not careful. Hope tonight you learn some lessons from the lukewarm. Father, we thank you this evening for the reminder from your word, Lord, that left to ourselves, we will become lukewarm. We need you, Father, to keep us so that we can be a blessing, so that we can be that glass of cold water, or we can be that hot water. We can be an asset and make a difference. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. If there's anybody sitting in the pews that even thinks for one second they might be even the least bit lukewarm, I pray, Lord, tonight that they would get up out of their seat and get in this altar. There may be people sitting in their pews right now that's on fire for God, but maybe they need to get in the altar and ask you to please keep that fire stoked in their heart. Lord, what you're doing in this church is absolutely amazing, and the devil is not going to sit idly by and watch it happen, and our church needs to be plugged in on fire. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me.